0: You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. I just want to pray one more time. Bow your heads with me. Father, um... God, it's overwhelming to think of all the brave men and women that have uh, fought and bled uh, and died for the freedoms that we have. Thank you. Father, today, uh, as Jay prayed, as our video showed, God, we honor them. We honor their memories. We honor their lives. We're grateful for them. We're grateful for their sacrifice. Father, we're also grateful and want to honor uh, their families and their loved ones and their friends and those close to them because they, too, have sacrificed having their loved ones now not here with them. And so, Father... We remember together, we honor together, and we're grateful, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Grace. How's everybody feeling today? Yeah, good. It's been a beautiful weekend. Uh, I'm Sean. For those of you who haven't got a chance to meet, I'm one of the elders, one of the preachers here, and uh, we're going to be studying God's word together this morning, which I am uh, excited about. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad to have you here today. Um, We've been in our study in the book of John, we're continuing, the series has been building, it's been, been really good, we've, we've gotten just a little bit more than halfway through, uh, halfway through the book and uh, this morning it's interesting because um, we're really seeing uh, a story that's ending sort of the first half of the book, the whole next half of the book is really the last week of Jesus' life and there's a lot to go and a lot to learn from. Uh, But a couple weeks ago, we we looked at the story of of Lazarus being raised back to life. A lot of you will remember that if you weren't here. Lazarus was this guy, he was Jesus' buddy, and he had died. Jesus raised him back to life. And this caused all kinds of controversy in the area, um, because Lazarus, uh, walking around alive, went against the narrative that the the religious leaders and the Pharisees were trying to put out there, that Jesus wasn't the Son of God, that he wasn't God himself, um, because who could bring people back to life except for God himself? And so it went against the narrative. They didn't like it, and so they wanted to kill Jesus, and they ultimately wanted to kill Lazarus as well. And then we saw last week we looked at this great party that they had thrown for Jesus in his honor at uh, in Bethany. This is where Lazarus and his uh, sisters Mary and Martha lived. And at this party, we see Mary take this expensive, super expensive jar of perfume, and she pours it over Jesus, and she wipes her. Uh, her hair on his feet, and she essentially is anointing him for his burial, but also I think anointing him as king, because right after that story, we see him ride into town as king. We call this the triumphal entry. We looked at this on Palm Sunday, and Jesus comes into town as king, and he comes into town to the shouts and the accolades of the people. They're saying, Hosanna, which just means God save us, but it also means our salvation's here. It's in the person of Jesus. And there's all this excitement and all this, this uh, energy that's going on. And it's, it's exciting because the, the week is starting out on this really high note, this really high point. And this week is going to have some incredibly high highs for Jesus. It's also going to have some incredibly, incredibly lows for Jesus. One of the things I love about our Savior is that in the midst of terrifying personal pain leading up to and through the cross, he's going to continue to teach and serve and love and pray for and protect. And so I want to kind of lean in even a little bit more. I want want to see, God, God, what do you want to teach us? What do you want us to see? And so today we're going to be in the story in John chapter 12, starting in verse 20. It's right after the triumphal entry. And we're going to work through the end of the chapter. Um, it's a long section. We won't read or tackle every part of it. But we're going to do our best to, to, to get after it here this morning. But what I see here is Jesus' desire to glorify the Father. And so what I want to do is look at a few things that Jesus did as his example to us. What can we do to, to, to be better at glorifying the Father? Um, a couple of months ago, I wanted to get in better shape, and so uh, I talked to my kids about designing a workout plan for me, because otherwise I just wander around the gym like an idiot, because I don't know what to do. And uh, anyway, so they, they designed a workout plan for me. The first couple of days went fine. I was like, okay, this is good. I'm getting it. The third day was leg day, which uh, if you don't know what leg day is, it's basically you're just working on your legs. It doesn't sound like too big of a deal. It's a problem, okay? Okay. I, I got my workout in, I'm like getting through the exercise, they're getting harder and harder. When I got off that last machine, I'm like in a spasm, I can't walk. I'm like, somebody call an ambulance, Some, I'm like, drag me to the parking lot, I don't know, I can't walk. <laughs> the great thing is, is when you keep at it, you get stronger, you get more endurance, and you, you get better at it. And our walk with Jesus is exactly like that. It takes practice, it takes repetition, it takes these little exercises and that's what I wanna look at today. What are some of these exercises that we can do that Jesus did that will help us to love and serve and follow him uh, better, okay? The great thing is too, is if you're a Jesus follower, we have the spirit of God living inside of us. It's the greatest personal trainer you could ever imagine because he's with us all the time, all right? So that's what we're gonna go today, that's what we're gonna look at. I'm gonna pray one more time, invite the spirit to work and then we'll start moving, all right? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, uh, God, I love you. I thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, God, for your beautiful word. Thank you for a sweet time of worship. Thank you, God, that you are a God who pursues, a God who loves. Father, I pray that uh, your spirit would help us to learn more about you this morning, learn more about how you like to be glorified, and I pray, Father, that our lives would be changed, that, God, we would be a people that would bring you glory more and more and more and more and more, because that's what, that's what our desires, that's what our heart's desire is. And so, Father, we thank you. Spirit, work now. Please move and work in and among all of our, my friends here and anybody who's listening elsewhere. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, John 12, verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, went to tell Jesus. Starts off with this statement. There were some Greeks there that went to worship. It's an incredible statement. Because the fact that there were Greeks there and that they were coming to worship means that the, the fame and the, the stories about Jesus has spread. And, and what's great about it is, is that the Greeks um, have, have come to worship, they also wanna come see Jesus. It seems that they see Jesus as king. And what this means is that Jesus isn't just king of Israel, he is king of all people in all places at all times. The great thing is, is that gospel message about Jesus has spread so far that all the way over here in Gresham, Oregon, we hear about and we know about Jesus because that's, that word has continued to spread everywhere and when we come together, To worship, we are essentially exalting God and we're showing the world around us what does it look like to follow the king of everything. That's why worship is so important. It's it's one of the things that we can do and we should do privately in our vehicles, in our homes, um, by ourselves. Personally, uh, worship is really, really important. It's also super important to come together as the family of God and be together in person to worship together. And so it's one of those great things. The Greeks come. They want to see Jesus. Honestly, I'm not sure if they did or not get to see Jesus because it doesn't specifically say, but they want to see him. And look at what, what Jesus' response is. Verse 23 Jesus replied, The hour for the Son of Man, excuse me, the hour has come for the Son of Man to de- be uh, glorified. Jesus here, he's declaring again, the time is now. Operation Rescue Mission, it's a go right? Jesus is ready to go. He's saying, look, everything that I've been building toward, everything is happening, it's happening now. The the, the things that we've been planning, the things we've been talking about, we're about to do them here. And it's like the Greeks are are like, hey, we want to see Jesus. It's like Jesus is saying, good, watch this. I'm about to be glorified, and he's going to show us how. Verse 24, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies... It produces um, many seeds. Jesus here, he just uses a regular everyday example like he always did. Um, I've had the blessing to be in Israel. Things grow incredibly well there. The soil is rich and dark and, and everything there smells good. There's beautiful plants everywhere. It's, it's an amazing place. I thought it was gonna be really desert-like, which it is. It's somehow desert and beautiful and can grow anything. It's, it's absolutely amazing there. They would have known about plant life there Even if they weren't directly farmers, they would have known about it. They would have seen it all around them. And so what Jesus is saying here is that for wheat to grow, you take the seed, the kernel, you bury it in the ground like you would bury a body and that seed germinates, it produces a plant which eventually produces many. It produces this harvest. And Jesus is saying for him to produce this harvest that he must die. For you to see his glory, he must go to the cross For his rescue mission to be complete, he must go to the grave. And so like a plant that brings new life and leads to a harvest, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection means a harvest of new life for us. It brings glory to Jesus and it brings glory to the Father. Now, sometimes I think we can think to ourselves, right on, Jesus is glorifying God. Sweet, He's, he's got this. And that's true, but, but it doesn't mean that there isn't a response from us, that we have a responsibility to carry out. And that's what's next. Verse 25, anyone who loves their life will lose it. while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. For where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. What Jesus is saying here is that just like me, like I am going to have to die for a harvest, Jesus is saying there's something that we're going to have to do. We're going to have to hate our life in this world to gain eternal life in the next. That's what he says. It's kind of, it's it's a hard truth, but it's true. He says, like Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, we will bring glory to God and to Jesus, the son of God, and we'll do it through this way. Glorifying God means hating this life, but finding eternal life. Now, Sounds a little depressing, right? You got to hate your life. Life's going to suck. Um, that, that's not really what he's saying. And so I kind of want to talk about what does this mean to, to hate our lives so that we can find e- eternal life? And so you all know what it means to hate something. Basically, it's a strong dislike for something or someone. But I think a, a better definition of hating here would be to regard something as unworthy of interest or concern. So he's not saying that we should never enjoy the good things in this life. The power of the gospel means that we can not only have, uh, be alive, but we can have life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. I came to bring you life so you can have life abundantly. And so we're supposed to enjoy life. We can have wonderful, joyful, spirit-filled, satisfying life in spite of all of the problems that we have in this world. God is a good father who wants to give good gifts to his kids, and he wants us to enjoy them, and so we should. Not just the things that we need, like water, air, food, shelter, clothing, but also things like family and friends and jobs and vehicles and homes and vacations and walks in the park. Uh, My Aunt Mary, one of the things that she loves the most in life is animals. Um, She is a huge animal lover. She has a sweet little dog named Maddie, cutest little dog. The dog will do anything my aunt tells her, anything. It's it's unbelievable. She has two piggy toys that are the same toy, but they're different colors. If she brings the blue one, she'll say, Maddie, go get the orange piggy, and she'll go bring the orange piggy back. It's unbelievable. Um, My aunt also loves horses, and this is a picture of of my aunt. Um, She has not had horses for a really long time, and so she recently, just this last week, got the opportunity to, to, to get this horse. His name's Rudy. Now, I know not everybody's a horse person. Some of us look at the horse, and we're like, isn't that what they make dog food out of? Um, it's not. I don't, I don't think it is, but I mean, she loves horses. I did feed a bear horse meat one time at a little zoo. Anyway, she loves horses, and uh, when, when she was getting ready to get this horse, she was, like, texting with my wife and I. I was at work, and it was, like, really late at night. She kept texting because she was just so excited. I know my aunt well. I could see through the text message and the tone of the text, the just sheer joy on her face because she was going to get Rudy, right? She, th- she was going to get this horse. It brings her so much delight to be with animals, including horses. She's so, so happy. And so we should be about enjoying the good gifts that God wants to give us. But the truth is, is we have to hate this life to gain eternal life. And what that means is we must regard this world as unworthy or of interest or concern when compared to Jesus, And so, Jesus is saying that if we love this world more than we love Him and His gospel, it's a problem. Jesus is saying if we cling to people or money or influence or friends or jobs or homes or food or animals, even things that aren't sinful at all, if we cling to these things, even if they're meant to be enjoyed, and we love them over and above the way that we love Jesus, it's a problem. He's also saying that if we cling to sinful patterns, addictions, sorrows, shame, we lose our lives. And you might think, Sean, why, do we, why would we cling to those things? They're awful. Two reasons. One, sometimes sin is fun temporarily. And that's true. Sometimes it's fun temporarily. Sometimes it feels good temporarily. But it never delivers on what it promises to. And sometimes our hearts are inclined to cling to those things the other reason is is because sometimes when we have walked with something for so long, shame, um, uh, guilt, even, even sin, it feels comfortable. It feels normal to us. And so our hearts are inclined to go that direction. Friends, if we cling to those things over and above Jesus, we'll lose everything. We'll lose everything. Jonah 2.8 says that those who cling to worthless idols will forfeit or turn away from God's grace. Glorifying God is all about what we are willing to despise and who are what we are willing to, to desire. So what do you despise and what do you desire? Something has to change inside of our heart, inside of our spirit, inside of our being. And so we may find that there's a change happening and we may find ourselves saying things or feeling things like, God, I don't care about the money because Jesus is better, God, I, I don't care about this comfort or the status or the stuff because Jesus is better. I don't care about another drink. I don't care about another pill. I don't care about another sexual encounter. I don't care about another plate of food because Jesus is better. It's about saying I don't care about always needing to be right when I'm fighting with my spouse or my family because Jesus is better. Jesus is declaring and commanding here that if we want eternal life, we must glorify God, and to do that, we must serve him above all else. We must follow him wherever he leads. Our deepest desires must be to glorify God, to love him, to obey him, and to serve him, and in doing so, despise the things of this world. The great thing about this is the promise is, if we do this, you will have life. You will have life that can't be taken away from you. You will have eternal life with God and his family. Now this is something that is very easy to talk about, to love Jesus and to hate the world, but it's actually something that can be very difficult to do. And it honestly was even a little bit difficult for Jesus. Look at the next section, verse 27. Now he says, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. When Jesus came to earth, Um, Jesus set aside all of the godly attributes, all of his all power, all of his all knowing. That's what Philippians tells us. He set those things aside and he came to earth to live as a human. And he lived as as, as a human in a perfect spirit filled way from the moment he was born all throughout his entire life. No one else has ever done that. Jesus did it. And that's why he was able to do it without sinning. But we know that Jesus was tempted and it says he was tempted in every way. And I believe here this is another temptation of Jesus. Because you hear in his voice, you hear in his tone, Jesus knows what's coming. He knows the pain. He knows the shame. He he knows the betrayal and the beatings and the excruciating, truly excruciating thing that this is going to cost him. And so I think for a moment, Jesus is tempted here. You hear the difficulty in his spirit. Now my soul is troubled. Five short words that speak volumes. Imagine how you would have felt. Jesus is troubled in the deepest parts of himself, and so he cries out to the Father. He's honest with the Father. He says, What shall I say? Save me from this hour? And then you can, he says, No. You can almost see him just shaking. He said, No! It was for this reason that I came to this hour. He resolves to trust the Father, to trust the plan, to trust the Spirit, to sustain him and carry him through that. And then he says, Father, glorify your name. He wants to bring glory to God. Glorifying God means doing what Jesus did. It means being honest with God while choosing to submit to his plans. This can be really, really hard to do in life. For those of you that don't know, I'm also a nurse. I work at the neonatal ICU um, at at one of the hospitals in town. And I see all kinds of people, I meet all kinds of people up there at the hospital. And um, all kinds of really joyful and wonderful situations, also all kinds of really awful and sad situations, as you you might imagine. And this one mother that uh, was there, I was taking care of her baby, I'll never ever forget this interaction. Her baby had had a really bad day. Things were going in a bad direction, and uh, when I came on shift at 7 p.m., things were were also bad. They were actually getting worse as the evening went on. This baby was way too sick for the mom to even be able to hold, so she just sat by the baby's bed. And this woman, I watched her over over the course of of, you know half hour, hour, two hours. She's constantly she's bowing her head in prayer, and she's crying, and she's praying, and she's crying. And she's praying and at one point I was by the bed doing something with the baby and I just started talking to her and and she just told me, she said, I'm praying. She said, I'm praying for God to save my baby. I believe he can. I know he can. And I'm asking him to save. I'm asking him to heal. I'm asking him to sustain the life of my baby. But then she said the most amazing thing. She said, but I trust him. And she wasn't saying I trust him that he's going to fix this. What she was saying was, I trust him, period. She was saying, God, I don't know how this thing is going to end. I don't know what's going to happen with this situation. But God, I trust you. I trust you. And even if the worst, the worst case scenario happens and and her baby was to lose its life, she said, I trust you, Dad. I trust you. She was resolved to trust in God and to bring glory to God in the midst of a terrible, terrible circumstance. You ever been there? Yeah, most of us have at one point in our life. Some of us are there right now. Some of us will be there one day, maybe in a hospital room, maybe on the other end of an unexpected phone call, maybe beside the road, maybe in your house, maybe late at night, when it feels like the whole world's crashing around and you just need a little bit of sleep, and sleep won't come. Jesus wants us to glorify God, and we do that by hating this life and finding eternal life. But we also do that by being honest with God while choosing to submit to his plans just like Jesus. And so my my admonition to you this morning is just be honest with God. He already knows. Tell him, God, I'm so scared right now. Tell him, God, I'm so pissed off. I don't even know what to do. Tell him, God, I'm so anxious. God, I'm so tired of hurting. God, I don't want to hurt anymore. And God, I trust you. I trust you. Maybe your cry this morning is God, I'm so tired of this broken marriage. God, I feel so alone. God, I'm tired of not being married. God, I'm so tired of the sin that keeps coming back. God, I'm just so tired. And I trust you. Will you be honest with God this morning about whatever's troubling you? Will you choose to submit to his plans and follow him regardless of where that road may lead? Will you trust God with your life? Because if you do, you will find peace in the midst of trials. You will find presence with God, uh, or excuse me, the presence of God with you, just like he was with Jesus. And he will sustain you, he will carry you, he will comfort you through whatever it is you're going on, even if the worst case scenario still happens because he's a God who loves us. Look at the response of the father. Jesus says, glorify your name, father, in verse 28. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. This amazing thing happens. Imagine if you're standing there, and you are listening to and watching Jesus speak, and all of a sudden you see this interaction where Jesus is tempted for a moment. God, save me from this hour, no, no, this is the reason I came. Rescue mission is happening. And then he cries out to God, God, glorify your name. And God answers audibly from heaven, right? This is something most people in human history have not got to experience. I've never got to hear the audible voice of God um, answering. And, and, and God speaks. I have glorified it. I will glorify it again. Man, I wonder what my response would have been. I wonder what yours would be. But we see the response of the crowd the crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had, had spoken to them. The crowd that was there, this is so interesting to me, because again, they hear something most of us will never hear, and they try to explain it away. They explain it away as, it, as thunder. They explain it away as maybe an angel. Anything but God. They're dismissing the word of God. They're, they're, they're like, no, it certainly can't be something that we need to listen to. And Jesus says this, In verse 30, he says, listen, that voice was for your benefit, not for mine. The crowd rejects that voice, even though they hear the very words of God. And the reality of glorifying God in our lives means we must do the exact opposite of this response. Glorifying God means doing what Jesus did, and that is listening to and accepting the voice of God in our lives. Not much has changed today in the crowds from the crowds back then. Uh, we see this all the time in our day. Ex- people explaining the very word of God, the Bible away as something else. We see it in news media, social media, popular culture, academic institutions and schools. They seem right now to be obsessed with dismissing and ignoring and explaining away the authenticity and the authority of God in our lives and the word of God in our lives. So many of them view the Bible as an antiquated and irrelevant book that needs to be, that needs to be done away with. Do you do that in your life? Some of you may. Some of you may. Um, But for most of us here, I, I think probably not. Most of us here love God. Most of us here want the Bible. We want God's word. We want God's influence in our life. But I meet people all the time out in the world. I meet them at work who, who, who if you talk about spiritual things, they say, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. But then you talk about the rest of their life. There are giant sections of their life that are completely inconsistent with the word of God. And so maybe they're not doing it fully, but in chunks, in sections of their life, they're completely ignoring God's word. They're saying, that doesn't apply to me. They're explaining it away as something else. Oh, that was something for people way back then. It doesn't apply now. It does apply now. It absolutely applies now. And it comes out in the way that we live our lives, the way that we express ourselves in our sex, sexuality, and purity. It comes out in the way that we we spend our money, our financial integrity. Are you tempted sometimes to shade your taxes just a little bits in your favor? Do you ever stay on the clock a little bit longer than you actually need to because it's a big company, they can afford it? Right? Some of us do these things in our lives that, that, that are just not right. One big place that I see it show up is in our attitudes toward, toward others, especially those who disagree with our views. We are so, so quick to hate, we're so quick to cancel. And you might be thinking to yourself, but Sean, they're wrong. They might be, they might be dead wrong. They might be persecuting you. They might be making fun of you. They might be making fun of the church. They might be cursing God out loud in front of you. But Jesus says we should pray for those who persecute you and love and bless your enemies. Is that your response to them? What areas of your life are you not listening to, accepting and obeying and following the voice of God and the word of God? I think another way that this happens can be just that the voice of the enemy is loud, really loud, Satan wants to distract you. He wants to speak things over you and about you and cause you to question God's love for you and also question things about yourself. He wants you to believe things about you that just aren't true. My son, uh, Kenny, was in a car accident uh, a couple weeks ago and, uh, man, Kenny was coming home from work and he got in this car accident and, man, he just was so embarrassed. He was feeling so much shame, so much guilt. What if I had injured this person what if i had hurt this person they have a family like I I can't believe I did this and even afterwards he was fine the other person was fine Um, but even afterwards the next day my wife and I were talking about it to him and he was just like my gosh I just feel so stupid I'm worthless I I just feel so much shame and I said Kenny I said you made a mistake it wasn't sinful you made an error you need to learn from it and you need to move on with life and I said, Kenny, what are you going to do when you start to hear those things like I'm stupid, I'm just worthless, I'm, I'm, I have all the shame in me? He said, honestly, Pops, that's what they call me, Pops. Um, at least my boys do. <laughs> uh, he said, Pops, what I need to do is lean into the spirit of God. I need to turn up the spirit of God in my life. He goes, one way I do that is just by turning on worship music. That's a great way to amplify the voice of God in your life because it helps reorient our hearts and our minds to God's word and helps us to listen to him. We can listen to uh, and, and read the word of God itself. We can pray. See, for Kenny, this track that plays in his head, that you're worthless, you're stupid, you're awful, you, you're, you just screwed up again, is a track that has been playing in his head since he was a boy because it was one he learned when he was a child. Some of you have that same track in your mind. We need to turn those tracks down, or even better, turn them off. We need to turn up the gospel in our lives. We need to recognize when we've screwed up. If it's sinful, repent and move on. If it was a mistake, learn from it. Take personal responsibility and move on. God came that we can have a life and have it more abundantly. He doesn't want us to be shackled by our past, by, by anything that's come behind us. It's all trash anyway. Right, it's all trash anyway. God wants us to live out of the power of his spirit. And so if we will do that, if we will listen to and accept the voice of God in our lives, and if we will then listen to it and then take it into action because it's about listening and doing. It's about hearing and obeying the word of God. If we will do those things in our life, then we will bring glory to God and it will bring us life. And that's what Jesus came to bring us was life. But to bring us life, he was willing to die because that's what it would take. Look at what's next. He says, now is the time for judgment on this world. And now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. Again, something amazing about to happen because the rescue mission is going. What Jesus is saying is, I'm about to bring judgment into this world that will bring justice to the world. He's going to defeat the prince of this world. That That is Satan and his servants. They've been running their game plan since the beginning, since the Garden of Eden when they introduced sin into the world. And what they did, or what Satan did, he, he took what was perfect, he took what was beautiful, he took what was ordered, and he brought chaos. He took what was straight and, and gorgeous, and he bent it and perverted it and marred it. And Jesus has been watching this. Jesus knew it would happen because his rescue mission happened before the foundations of the world. And so Jesus has said all throughout human history till this point, the time has been building and the time is now. And I am going to deal with it once and for all right now. Satan is gonna be defeated. The penalty for sin is going to be paid. But for that to happen, I gotta die. And he says, I'm going to be lifted up, literally lifted up on a cross, on a Roman cross. And if we will look to that cross, look to the empty tomb, look to a risen Lord, and trust the power of the Spirit of God in our, in our lives, we can have life. The gospel itself is an invitation. It's an invitation to eternal life, to adoption, to being healed and cleansed and forgiven. It's also a command. It's a command from the king of kings and lord of lords, king over everything in the universe, that he's won the war against Satan, but the battle still rages on. So we need to be about glorifying God, serving God, loving God, trusting God, uh, uh, confessing our sin to God, being healed and forgiven and set free so that then we can live an even better life and we can share that with the people around us. That's what the gospel is all about. The truth is, it's a choice. It all comes down to a choice. This chapter goes on to explain the the re- response of the crowd, verse 37, says, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Many would not believe, but some did, and there's a an sort of encouraging, but also a little bit sad epilogue to the story. Verse 42, yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than they loved praise from God. God it really comes down to a choice what will you despise and what will you desire in your life will you choose to glorify God or will you choose not to worship team would you please come I'm going to close with this my wife and I uh, were watching a movie a couple weeks ago Um, it's called redeeming love and this movie is a movie that was made based on a book by the same title. And um, this bo- movie uh, and the book is a story like the book of Hosea in the Bible. It's a contemporary allegory showing us what God's love is like for his people. Now, a couple of disclaimers. This movie is rated PG-13, um, but in my opinion, it probably should be rated R just because of subject matter. Um, it's not a family movie night to watch. Unless, if my kids weren't 16 or older, I probably wouldn't let them watch it because there's some heavy, heavy issues to deal with. Because what this movie is about, let me say this also, it's also a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story. Because what this movie is about, it's about a prostitute. It's about this woman that was forced into prostitution, into human sex trafficking when she was a child, and forced to work as a prostitute when she was a child and then grew up into it and eventually as an adult now was living as a prostitute and there's a man in this story who is praying to God, he loves God and he's praying to God, he wants a wife and God tells him, you're gonna go marry her and so this man uh, seeks her out, eventually he does marry her, he brings her to his house and um, for, for three weeks there, they're just there at the house, they're living together but he won't sleep with her he doesn't want to make love to her because she has to heal. And so for three weeks, this guy spends time uh, just loving and caring for and protecting and providing and, and, and doing whatever he can to love this woman. And after three weeks, she's very overwhelmed with this because she has never experienced anything like this in her life. She doesn't even understand what to do with this kind of love. And so after three weeks with him, she leaves. She leaves. And he comes home to the house and he finds that she's not there anymore. And so he goes after her. And he catches up with her about a mile down the road. And he says to her, Listen, he says, I love you. He says, 19 miles that way is the city that you came from, 19 miles that way is the life that you know, it's the life that you understand, it's all you've known. And I can see that your heart is set on going back there. And if you want to go back there, you're free to go. It's awful, it's terrible, it's horrible. But you're free to go. And then he points the other way. And he says, one mile that way is home. The choice is offered to us. One way leads to sin. One way leads to an empty life. One way leads to shame. One way leads to ultimate destruction and the loss of our life. It ultimately leads to judgment and eternal separation from God forever. But the other way, the way of glorifying God, the way of following Jesus and serving him, it leads to being adopted into his family. It leads to peace that you can't understand or explain. It leads to an abundant life filled with joy. It leads to security. It leads to grace. It leads to an eternal life with God himself and with the family of God. Ultimately, it leads you home. Which way will you choose to go? Spend been a good morning together. If you're new newer, newer, uh, we have a Next Steps team in the cafe right out the doors over here. I uh, would love to meet you, love to get acquainted with you and see how, how they can help you get acquainted with us here at Grace. Um, the Apostle Paul in, in Philippians 3 is giving kind of his resume. And, and he talks about all of these things that he's done and achieved and who he was. And then he comes to this point where he says, you know what? I consider all of that literally trash compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And then he comes toward the end of this section in verse 12, and he says this, Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Friends, that's what a life of glorifying God looks like. Paul had done so many amazing things and he says it's garbage. It means nothing. Our lives with Christ mean everything. And so friends, as we, as we press on together, as we look forward to that day when Jesus will come for us or he'll come take us back home with him, whatever that day is, we press on, we look forward to, we look forward to the prize that God has promised to us. It's himself and it's eternity with him. And so let me pray for you and we'll get out of here. Father, We love you. Thank you for your glorious uh, nature. Thank you for the glorious gospel. Thank you that, Father, you want to be glorified and you show us how to do it. Father, I pray for everybody here, everybody listening, myself included, uh, that, God, we would be a people that would love and serve and follow you wherever you lead us, whatever that means, and whatever the circumstances, we will follow you. Because we know, Father, that whatever you have for us is better. It's better. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for this beautiful morning. I pray blessing on on all of my friends here and everybody listening. Uh, Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord, in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. I love you, Grace. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.